Hi everybody, welcome back. This is um, podcast 14 and as you've probably seen from the title, I'm going to be talking today about symbols. Um, I call them the drummer's ruin um, because I've, <laughs> of all the drummers I've known in my life, Many of them have this kind of quest to find the symbol, you know, uh, and that's different for everybody. So yeah, it's not just there's not just one symbol that we're all looking for. Obviously, that's uh, completely ridiculous. But uh, lots of the drummers that I know uh, have this constant. Yeah, it's a constant sort of quest to find uh, a symbol. And I was going to talk today about um, my kind of own personal journey with symbols. So, and this is in no way kind of an endorsement of a product or anything. It might end up sounding a bit like that. It, it's not. Um, just as a disclosure thing. Uh, not that I have to have any sort of disclosure, really, because you say whatever you like on your own podcast, can't you? But just so people are clear... Uh, I used to have a relationship with um, the UK distributor for Istanbul. Um, and those of you who know that is, who will know who that is, those of you who don't, you can go and find out for yourself. I'm not going to talk about who that is and who's involved with that. But I had a, a long, quite a long relationship with them. Um, I was approached via a mutual friend um, um, probably 20 years ago now. Maybe maybe a bit less than that, um, and they were looking for a jazz drummer in the north of England who was going to, you know, have an an enthusiastic kind of relationship with with that brand. You know, it's the Istanbul Agop brand, not the Mehmet brand. I've never, um, I've never really used the Mehmet stuff. Um, but there is an ironic thing in this story uh, about one particular symbol, which I still own, which is a kind of pivotal point of this story. Uh, anyway, but, well, this whole podcast, but we'll get there in the end, as things normally do, uh, in a kind of rambling kind of way. But, um, yeah, I, it was the it's the Istanbul Agop um, brand, which I uh, have an affinity with. I still do. Um, my... My relationship with that brand came about because of um, because it was at the right time for me, sound-wise, um, and it was a what I would call a genuine relationship. Um, don't want to get too sort of into the sort of cynical side of endorsements um, that uh, you know different people have with different companies. Um, but it's I, f I find it sort of an interesting thing that like quite a lot of endorsements seem to involve um, things other than a love for the product, shall we say. Controversial, that may be. But that's my experience of people I've known who have had endorsements and relationships, in inverted commas, with drum companies. There, there's... Um, there seems to be, uh, you know, other reasons why and and why not because you know none of us are millionaires, none of us are making fortunes out of music, 
you know, even people that are very, very successful and whatever, everyone's still, you know, scrambling around to make a living, you know, and uh, that's what we do. So anything that can help us in that by getting products, you know, at a cheaper rate or, you know, for free even maybe uh, in some cases um, helps us all along, you know. Um, and I think... I think sort of my take on this generally, I feel it's been a maybe I, I'm, I'm a bit idealistic, shall we say. Anybody that knows me knows that, that that's kind of a one of my traits. Uh, I'm not inflexible, but I, I am kind of, you know, I have some values that I hold kind of, you know, close to my um, myself and my beliefs and stuff. And and the uh, the Istanbul thing, was a for me was a was a uh, was a genuine relationship with the product, and it was also a very good relationship with the distributor and etc uh, etc. Et but there came a point um, in that relationship where it became clear to me that there wasn't uh, a mutually um, supportive or um, well, I suppose yeah, that's the word really mutually supportive. Um, relationship going in relation to what I expected out of the relationship, you know. So uh, that's not necessarily saying that the the relationship on or as far as they were concerned was uh, was not working for them. Um, I just kind of felt because I was product loyal, which I am. Um, I felt like I wasn't getting the same. Uh, thing back for the for the sort of longevity of that loyalty. So um, a few years ago, that relationship that I had with that company ended, and and so did my kind of relationship with with Istanbul, whatever that really was. Which to me, in retrospect, doesn't feel like I really had a relationship actually with the brat with the company in Turkey. You know, with. Um, Burak and, and uh, all those people that are working over there. I never had any dealings with them. I was solely dealing with um, with the, the distributor in the UK. And uh, and I think, you know, for me, I wanted to sort of take it to another level, really. I wanted to be more involved, and that wasn't didn't feel like it was going to happen. Um, so, um, yeah, that was kind of it, really. But I have continued, and as, and as any of you know, have watched any of my videos, you know, as you can see, I use that product, you know. It's um, it's very dear to me, that sound, the sound, the, the symbols I've found and, and continue to find, because we're talking about today, I've added some new symbols, um, well, not brand new, they're, they're actually all second hand because of the nature of what I've been sort of trying to find and, and add to. But uh, yeah, I've kind of really, you know, I've added I've added some more symbols back into my Istanbul range, uh, my Istanbul Agot range. So, um, but that's kind of, yeah, I'll get into all that in a minute, but I just wanted to talk briefly at the top about that relationship because a lot of people ask me about... Um, People that have known me for a long time, people I maybe haven't seen for a long time, they kind of still think I have this relationship with Istanbul because I use the products, you know. And um, and I I just have a relationship with the product, <laughs> which is actually, you know, completely fine. Because, you know, basically the, the relationship I had with the distributor meant that for on the most part, for all the symbols that I use now, most of them were bought when I was in that relationship with with uh, with the distributor and was was able to buy things 
at um, a um, a different rate than retail. You know, I, I had a relationship there, and I got a couple of other things through through that relationship as well. And uh, yeah, and it was it was you know, and I'll say it again, it's a great relationship for quite a long time. Uh, it's a product that I still uh, believe in and still love, and I still use exclusively, pretty much. I've got one symbol at the moment, which I've, I've stopped using now because I found another. A couple of weeks ago, I found a Mel Lewis ride and a nineteen that I bought secondhand, which uh, put some rivets in it, and uh, that's kind of replaced this other symbol that I was using for a bit, uh, which was the first non-Istanbul symbol that I've used on gigs. Um, apart from one-off gigs, for 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 as long as I've had the relationship with Istanbul uh, symbols, so um, yeah, over fifteen years, so. But anyway, that's kind of uh, that's the kind of the the, the the subject of the podcast today, which is about this kind of symbol journey and symbol evolution, and uh, it may be something that interests you, or is you know maybe you're a younger player and you're getting into kind of different styles of music and you're wondering about symbols or you're oh you're an older player who's get, just getting into different styles of music. I get asked by people of all ages about symbols actually, and. Um, and a friend of mine recently bought a kit off uh, off me and my partner, and uh, uh, which was for sale. And uh, he was kind of asking about budget symbols, and I recommended some budget symbols. I talk about a few budgets, uh, sort of budget ranges as well today, and what the sort of the main difference I've found between those um, those sorts of symbols and uh, the sort of higher level symbols, and what kind of happens with those symbols over time. Um, but there's a few surprising ranges out there. Um, there's a there's a couple of ranges which I'll talk about, which uh, which I think are you know especially with the hi hats, you know, uh, some great symbols. And and there's a there's a funny story from when I was kind of uh, thirteen sort of years of age, uh, and these hi hats that I bought um, that were shockingly good for shockingly small amounts of money, you know, and they were brand new as well. It was quite a funny story, that. But I, I kind of get back to that later. That's kind of part of the whole, sort of, you know, evolution or journey of, um, of kind of symbols for me. Um, but, yeah, first I just wanted to sort of uh, talk about the last week, really, since the last podcast. Um, thanks for people that have um, sent messages and stuff about that. Um, and just yeah it was in no way meant to be the last podcast a kind of thing about talking about specific techniques molar technique or free stroke or finger control or any of those sort of things um, it was just about really about my own sort of journey and how I think about how the how the stick works in the hand and I'll be talking a little bit about that today because it has a it has a profound effect upon cymbal sound um it links to a couple of people, players that I uh, have a really distinct symbol sound and how they kind of think about it, and um, you know the fact they were trying to develop their own symbol sound, and uh, some of that is about the instrument itself, the actual symbol. Some of it is about how they hold the stick. So it kind of links today, sort of links a little bit loosely with last week, kind of. Um, I suppose it all links together. Really, it's all drums at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, this has been quite a quiet week this last week. Um, 
just been uh, a lot going on at work and stuff and uh, I'd um, just had a, uh, one gig yesterday it's Sunday today by the way this is uh, I was trying to get this recorded Friday um, but I was busy at work till quite late again um, and then yesterday I had this gig and uh turned out to be a slightly different gig than originally programmed because one of the people that we were, well, the person, the, the headline person in the, the trio uh, was not very well, um, had something quite seriously wrong with him and uh, on Friday we were trying to find somebody else and uh, very lucky to have been able to get an old friend who, great piano player, who I've not seen for quite a long time and he ended up being free so I had a really nice gig last night um it was very f good fun it was funny good fun and uh just what music's all about really so uh great very social vibe and the audience were really a lot of the audience had come to see the uh the person that was billed um but they they really loved the gig so it was really nice a uh, really nice thing so um yeah and then just uh the rest of the week not been doing a lot of drum stuff this week really it's been a very kind of undrum focused week barely done any practice at all which is a shame um but you know one of those things um and it's one of those weeks where you kind of think back and you don't really know you know you just think what's happened you know what happened this week um not a lot really just different bits and bits of busy things bits of this bits of that this week coming up is going to be uh, quite a quiet week for me, quite home, homey kind of week, homely or homey kind of week. Going to be spending a lot of time at home. We've got this thing, you know, this virus thing's going on all over the world as we're all, you know, aware of at the moment. And uh, I'm not teaching this week. We have a thing at, at college called Projects Week, um, which a lot of it's to do with it, a part of the curriculum which only our first years are kind of uh, engaged with but we do do some enrichment this week so we've got a couple of people coming in doing some repertoire bands with some of our students uh, I'll be going in on Friday because uh, our vibes tutor uh, John Settle great vibes player who lives in Wakefield John's doing a workshop uh, for uh, well, for all our students but it's kind of aimed at our drum students really because we're trying to get more of our drum students to play the vibes. And John's a great drummer, really, really good drummer. Um, but he's a, also, he's a great vibes player. And uh, and he kind of focuses a bit more on, um, I think he does a bit more vibes playing these days than drumming. I'm not sure, actually. I'm not sure whether that's true. But uh, I get to play with him uh, from time to time on vibes, and he's great. And... Uh, and he's, he's he's come to me for a few couple of drum lessons. He's been here actually. Um, and he's very 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 good drummer, very musical guy. Uh, he's doing a workshop on Friday, so I'm going to go uh, probably just go in one day this week and just work from home the rest of the time, just to keep away from traveling and the office environment and all that stuff. Um, it'll probably end up the end of this week is when this new phase of containing the virus will come and. Will I end up having to work at home, which I'm, you know, if that happens, I'm, you know, totally prepared for that because I'll just be spending most of my time up here practicing, <laughs> which will be, you know, it's something I could do with doing at the moment anyway. I do use this book when I'm teaching. Uh, I, I've joked about this before 
with the the kind of Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld reference uh, to the pamphlet in um, in that uh, that episode of the. Um, the book launch and blah 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 anyone knows that episode knows exactly what i'm talking about i i use a pamphlet when i'm teaching at college uh, i don't have <laughs> i don't have the audacity to call it a book um but my book my pamphlet has been in need of some updating well actually addition it may actually end up being a book if I can add a few more pages into this thing, maybe it justifies, a, you know, the title of book as opposed to um, the title of leaflet or whatever you want to call it. Um, but, yeah, that's something I could do is spending a bit of time with. I'd sort of resign myself to that maybe happening over the summer, you know. Um, but... I actually, if if this thing does happen and we end up having to work at home and we you know we stop teaching and stuff, just because we have, you know we have a lot of students, like twelve hundred, thirteen hundred students at college, and you know they kind of seem to be targeting that, those kind of situations and environments, you know things like events and and schools and colleges, you know and blah blah blah. Um, so if that happens, I'll end up at home, and I may spend that time, you know. Um, re sort of redesigning that um, a little bit, um, or or just or maybe just well, I'm thinking of adding things to it actually, uh, and maybe just tweaking a couple of things as well, moving things around a bit. But I've been using those things for quite a long time in my teaching. They're they're, they're not everything when I'm teaching at you know college, and it's not everything that I teach. It's just a, it's something that runs alongside all the other stuff that's going on. I tend to kind of focus on uh, a few core areas um, because a lot of the drummers that I teach are quite new to playing jazz, you know, and uh, they're trying to find this kind of um, a way in, you know. They, they they love the music. There's a reason why they kind of got this. They're intrigued about this music and about playing in this way. Um and yeah, they're trying to find a way in. So, a lot of the stuff I teach at college is kind of focused on that area, really. Um, but I've got some groove stuff and things that I wanted to add in because I've because uh, obviously a lot of students I also teach are interested in you know a wide range of contemporary jazz, and that you know is everything from you know there's like a lot of students when they come to college they're really into the fusion thing or they're into the snarky puppy kind of thing or drummers you know like dave weckle or people like that uh and they're kind of moving into a different area of of music or they're into like players like mark juliana or chris dave or someone so they're coming from that angle you know um so some of the stuff that I uh, that I use in my teaching is not in my in my kind of leaflet pamphlet thing. It's kind of separate to it, and it'd be nice to get it all into one uh, thing. I have a st- I have this very small styles section which kind of deals with some of the fundamental styles. So, so yeah, I might be sort of doing that over the next week or so if that happens. But uh, this week is. Uh, yeah, catching up with some stuff at work. I've got a week off teaching, so catching up with some other things. And um yeah, doing hopefully doing a bit of doing a bit of practice as well in that kind of practice based research they call it, you know. Which is yeah, 
mainly for me focuses around tweaking uh, all that stuff, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what's going on at the moment. Um, so, anyway, yeah, symbols. So, the symbol journey is uh, is a fascinating journey, really, uh, for me. And I can, you know, other people can probably relate to this. Um, and I'm sure it's the same on other instruments. I, I've got no idea, to be honest with you. I don't know whether... I think guitar guitarists seem to have this um, similar thing, but they seem to find the one, you know. Uh, all the guitar players that I've played with and uh, a very good friend of mine is hopefully we're going to do this podcast together. Um, both very busy at the moment. Well, he's very, very busy. Uh, he's been away a lot and he's got a very important thing coming up this week. Well, we were talking about uh, doing it over Easter. So, um, like, for instance, I always think of him as having this one guitar. Actually, he doesn't anymore. He plays with quite a few different guitars and, and uh, is, it does a lot of travelling now. He does a lot of touring and travelling. And so he's had to get into this thing of playing uh, different guitar uh because he has to travel with the guitar so it's kind of that's sort of changed things slightly and uh and and that was a big thing for me as well i don't always fly with cymbals so i was talking to somebody last night about doing some gigs over in valencia um in uh, in the summer and i was basically saying i'd rather not travel with with my cymbals you know um because I do have a flight case. Uh, well, I have a couple of cases. I've got like a hard case, one of those kind of, you know, LeBlanc-style cases, which is okay, um, but it's not something I'd put in the hold of a plane with with symbols that I really kind of valued, you know. Um, but I've actually got a flight case as well, which is metal, you know, foam inside, and, and that's the one when I'm traveling and gigging uh, abroad and stuff, that goes in the hold. So I, you know, hopefully most of the time I'm just taking um, hand luggage size bags so I'm able to get away with, you know, getting on the hold with, with the, the clothes side of things and putting the symbols in the hold. Um, but where I can really, I try and avoid travelling with symbols because uh, you just worry about them, you know, either getting lost or getting damaged. And the thing about symbols is different than drums, and I've said this before, is... It's pretty easy to replace a lot of drums. Not all drums. In fact, a lot of the drums that I now own actually are, are all actually quite irreplaceable, um, ironically. Um, but generally, you know, if you're if you choose to travel with a sort of particular kind of snare drum or something, it's probably one that you've picked for a reason. That's like, yeah, I could buy another one of them off the shelf. You know. Um, I would never travel with my Krabi Otto, for instance, ever, ever. Would never take that on a plane. You know, it would just... It, it travels with me in a car. That's the only time it ever travels. Um, or it would travel... I'd buy the seat, you know. It'd sit next to me on the plane, you know. Um, so, uh, where's my Black Beauty that I've got? Now I wouldn't think twice about that. i put it in, in a, you know, obviously in a flight case or in a hard case. But um, if it got damaged, I could buy another one, you know. So, but the symbols, all the symbols that I use all the time now, particularly one ride, which I use all the time, I just, yeah, I always, 
worry when I travel uh, with that symbol. I only use it, I only travel with it with one person who I work with um, from time to time. Um, and we rarely fly, actually. A lot of the time we are driving, we are gigging uh, kind of cross land, you know. Uh, but very occasionally, sometimes when we've got a long haul up to Norway or something and we've been gigging down, maybe in France or something, and then um, we're going over <clears throat> to do a festival or something, then that's kind of tricky, you know. Um, but that's when I'll use the flight case. The flight case is, you know, don't worry about the symbols getting damaged in the flight case. I mean, symbols are tough things anyway. You know, they're, they're, they're hammered metal, you know. They're very strong. Um, but the flight case is also pretty strong and it's probably pretty, it's probably stronger and heavier than most of the luggage that's around it. Yeah, but very, very occasionally terrible things happen. I've heard some horrific stories that people have told me about just, you know, just bad luck things where something pierced its way through several uh, suitcases and flight cases, some sharp object in a plane, you know, for some reason ended up... But I don't think that really happens a lot because a lot of the time is how the hell would something like that be on a plane in the first place if it's going to pierce through my flight case with with three or four symbols inside it as well as, you know, two or three... It's got, you know, obviously the flight case is metal, both sides. If it's going to get through that and the symbols, it's possible that this thing might go through the fuselage of the, of the plane. You know, it might actually go through... Yeah, probably not. That's probably ridiculous, but... I just, yeah, I don't see that kind of thing happening very often inside plane, you know, um, this place is pretty kind of, um, you know, most thing that happens is people chuck bags around, don't they? You see these pictures on social media of these people chucking bags around, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the flight case is pretty tough. So, you know, it's, I'm not, you don't get too freaked out about it, but, um, but yeah, that was yeah. Sorry, that was a little bit of a diversion there with the old um, the old traveling symbol thing. But the thing behind it is is that drummers go on a lot about symbols. You know, we do. And um, I have a, a, a drumming friend of mine called a guy called Errol Roberts who lives in Manchester. I've known for a long time. I think I've mentioned him before as well. And we have this thing called Symbol Summit. We meet occasionally. Um, which I've talked about before. And uh, we sort of swap symbols and things and play symbols and talk about symbols. Um, we never talk about drums, really. You know, I occasionally ask him about his very nice sonors, but I've got some nice sonors now, so I probably won't ask him about his sonors anymore. Whereas the symbol thing, we're always talking about symbols that he's got. He's always interested in if I've got a new symbol or some new symbols or if there's anything we can swap or blah 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 you know um i think i bought more symbols off errol um than anyone apart from istanbul themselves um yeah so we kind of do do a bit of exchanging from time to time with uh with with symbols but uh but yeah the sort of the the, the journey i mean i go right back to when i first got into drums you know and uh, there's a few distant memories that that really that still stick out to me. Um, I always remember, for instance, the 16-inch Zildjian A crash that we used to have in our brass band at school. 
And it was a beautiful symbol. And it was, you know, like that 70s period of Zildjian. Um, and it just sounded like a really lovely, warm, sort of transparent crash, you know. And it was one of those things like at the time it was completely out of my kind of financially out of my price range or well out of my parents' price range. I wasn't paying for anything, but um but you know, the, we had these symbols in the brass band and, and they were kind of nice. They, they had these new beat hi-hats, these Zildjian new beat hi-hats. And they were really nice symbols that the, the new beat hi-hats we used to play them, and they were again they were 70s ones. I think the seventies Zildjians of of the uh, they have that sort of the black writing which is hollow, you know, it's like the hollow font. Somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it's that kind of period, seventies, early eighties, I think, where the Zildjian writing had this, you know, it was written. Uh, it just had a font that was hollow, so you, you know, it was like, um, yeah, it's quite specific. Um, but I remember buying these pearl, I think they were called CX400 hi-hats. And me and my mate at the time, Vince Walton, who's a drummer I used to know as at school. I still know Vince a little bit now, but uh, we were when we were at school together, we hung out together, we used to play drums all the time and stuff. And he had lots of nice drums. And he, um, we went to the drum shop and uh, we, f we sort of found these cymbals and there was just this thing of like when we dropped the top hi-hat onto the bottom with the clutch, uh, when the clutch was undone, they sounded like new beats. They sounded like the Zildjians, you know. And they were 33 quid, these symbols. Um, and this was in 1983, 4. So I have no idea what that means in today's money, but it's not a lot of money. It's probably still under 100 quid in today's money. Um, but they're called, yes, Pearl CX400. Now, Pearl made awful symbols. Sorry, Pearl, but they, they weren't great. They were kind of tinny. The crashes and the rides were, the bell and the rides was obnoxiously loud and, you know, kind of one-dimensional kind of sounding. And the rides were just very pingy and yeah, not particularly great. And the crashes were, they weren't warm. They were a bit hollow sounding. Um, again, tinny, you know. Um, whatever the whatever the cheaper side of the alloys is was definitely involved in those symbols and and in a lot of symbols that are made these days on the cheaper side. But these hi hats very very different. So I bought these hi hats and I took them into the brass band and I remember uh, playing them to one of these sort of senior drummers and he was absolutely he couldn't believe it. He was he, he almost looked upset that they were any good, you know, because they sounded just as good as these new beats. And the new beats were at the time were, were more than two hundred pound symbols. You know, be be even probably more than that. Actually, they were expensive at the time. You know, so that was kind of this the beginning of this sort of journey for me of this sort of awareness of of you can find these little one off peachy things. You know, these little peachy symbols that just have something about them that's quite interesting and uh, and have and, and a great value. You know. Um, but the sort of the, the the journey for me was I ended up with uh, some strange symbols in my early days of playing and I was very into playing jazz but I ended up with what I got and I had a Sabian medium ride uh, a Sabian AA medium ride which was a 
god-awful thing, to be honest with you. Thinking about it now, I just... Uh, it's just weird how you can be now be inspired. I think about being inspired then to play something that was just sounded just really, really difficult to play, difficult to get anything out of, you know. But you did. And then I used to have a Pace 2002 Heavy Crash. Check that out. Weird, but bizarre. And it was loud, that symbol. And it was something that I bought. I remember when I was kind of moving away from playing the rock thing and getting into jazz, I got this symbol. My mum and dad had bought me this symbol for, as a present, you know. And, and I had that symbol for years. And then I had these these hi-hats, these Pearl, these CX 400s or whatever they were. I think that's the right number. I keep saying it. It's probably complete nonsense. But um, which then they sounded great. And they lasted quite a long time, actually. They did, they did eventually start to sound a bit crap um they're not they were never going to be you know they were never going to have a lifespan about them and this is the thing that's interesting uh, between what those zildjian a symbols that i played in that brass band would sound like now and those cx5 400s would sound like now we all know that the zildjians would still sound amazing now and they probably sound better actually uh, and they're probably worth more than they were than they were when they were new, uh, probably now. Uh, a pair of hi-hats like that, the 70s, 80s, uh, really, that's like the peachy period. I had some 60s ones for a while, um, which I actually lost. Um, I was going to give them to a friend of mine, but I lost them. I left them somewhere, stupidly, uh, when I was doing like a school some gigs in some workshops in some schools. I just left them on the hi-hat stand. I was in a bit of a hurry. But they were like 60s. American made USA ones, you know, the Vida Siljan A, but that, they were just a bit heavy and a bit, they weren't very nice really. They were all right. Um, but the 70s ones were great. And now, even now, they'd sound amazing. And they do come up occasionally. You, you can probably go on, um, I think it's called reverb.com, uh, I think. Or Gumtree or eBay or any of those, you know, you'll find um, you'll find those that period of hi-hats, those those Ilgian A's. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that was the thing. Yeah, the quality difference. It was definitely a quality difference. Those those hi-hats. I remember selling them to when I was living in London um, <coughs> to a, a guy who bought all my drums off me, and, and yeah, they they still sounded all right, but they they were just past the best, you know. And that was one of the things I first learned about the difference between those three products on my kit. So I had the Paste or Pasty Crash 2002 Crash, which probably would sound exactly the same now. Is it like an indestructible symbol, you know? Um, the Sabian AA ride, the medium ride, again, which would probably sound exactly the same now as well. Um, and then those hi hats, which, yeah, which did, definitely didn't sound as good as when I first bought them. Um, but that's, you know, that's the kind of nature of, of what I would say are not pro symbols and pro symbols. And, uh, I'm not going to go into, I don't know a lot about how symbols are made, by the way. I'm not really that interested to be honest with you. Um, I'd like to have a go at hammering, but, um, but the actual thing of, you know, the bronze and different alloys that are used and, and what's in the cheaper symbols, I don't really know anything about it. 
Uh, I've got a couple of friends that do. They know they know quite a lot about it. So I always ask them their opinion when I need to know any of the kind of facts about that kind of stuff. But <clears throat> yeah, that was that was kind of when I was in my late teens. Uh, and then I was very lucky to um, to meet a drummer in London who bought me my first Istanbul cymbal. Uh, it's actually sat here in front of me now. Um, and the story behind it was one of those things where um, you never normally do this with a cymbal. It's, it's never a great idea to buy a cymbal without hearing it. Uh, preferably you want to be playing it um, but a lot of people buy symbols online these days. A lot of my students at college, they go, I've just got this new symbol and they, luckily it came and it sounds great, but I, you know, I was taking a risk and I heard the sound file and all that stuff. But until you've got it in the room with you and you actually play it with your stick, you really don't know, you know whether you're going to like it or not. Now, the story behind this ride symbol, uh, which I think I've mentioned before um, on one of the early uh, podcasts, uh, but you know, just to go, because it kind of ties into the, the rest of this kind of story, really. The the story behind this was that this the drummer, Mark Fletcher, who's a drummer who originally from kind of Birmingham, I think, area, now lives lived in London a long, long time. Mark had an Istanbul deal at that time, and this is pre-split. So this is 1990, 91 time, that period. Um, I sort of met Mark in in '89 um, when I first moved to London, and uh, Mark had an Istanbul deal, and I think he had a DW deal at the time as well. And uh, he was playing those cymbals, and I was listening, as I've mentioned before, many times. I was listening a lot to Jack Jeanette. You know, I was also listening to you know Peter Erskine and other drummers, lots and lots and lots of different drummers. Um, but one of the most influential players on me at the time was Jack. And uh, Jack, my favourite period, the Dijonet, my favourite period is that kind of the standards live period, still live, basically early 80s through to late 80s. Um, before he went to Sabian and, and and then created the Encore range and stuff. Before that, he was with Istanbul. I think he was a pasty player uh, before that. I think when he was playing with Charles Lloyd or something, that's what he was playing. I'm not sure. Um, but the Istanbul thing, it was a very influential time on me, that sound and the sonar drums that he was playing and the Istanbul cymbals. And there was a kind of, there was a, like a specific sort of ride sound, very dry ride um but but very expressive and very musical etc etc so anyway i mark said oh i can get you a ride like that from istanbul and uh i didn't know anything about what he was going to get me the price was extremely good um i'd left london by this time and this symbol turned up back at my old family home and uh, it came through the post it was in a cardboard square cardboard box thing you know like they do and I got it out of the box 
and I put it on the end of my finger and I hit it and went, oh, thank God for that. It sounded amazing. And I've still got it now. It's sat in front of me. And it's the only symbol, um, probably my other ride as well, but this is definitely the only symbol I would never sell. It's one that I will never sell. Um, it will it will live longer than me. Um, it probably, I think it's probably last hundreds of years, this thing. It's heavy. And uh, it's got a very distinctive um, sound. It's got a it's got a loud bell, but it's not. It's you know it's one of those bells. If you play it gently, it's not loud. It's nice. But if you play it loud, it's really loud. And this symbol, I bought it, yeah, like I say, 91. And I used it almost exclusively up until I got this Istanbul deal, um, which was, yeah, 2000 and whatever it was, can't I remember, 2007 or something like that. Um, maybe a bit earlier than that, maybe 2005. But yeah, I was, this symbol I used on every gig. And a lot of people came to know me you know by this symbol you know they can they, they used to talk about this symbol a lot of people quite liked it they, it was very characterful uh it was pingy you know dry and it had a very definite thing with the time and uh it's very very musical symbol it's got a lot of different colors it's one of those symbols where when you first hear it and play it, you can think no this is awful it's just just like clangy, loud bin lid, you know. But it's actually a lot more complex than that. So this was like my first, what I would call, some people say the Sabian was the first proper symbol, but I didn't like that symbol. So it was the first professional symbol for sure, but this was the first symbol that I bought blind, basically, you know. I mean, you know, again, I thank Mark for, um, you know, for helping me with it. He did, he, he, Basically, he ordered it from the distributor for me. He hadn't heard it either. So, but it was this. Uh, it was the first symbol I bought that I actually liked, and I used. And I used it for years and years and years and years and years, uh, all the way through nineties, all the way through the early noughties. and then um, and then I got this deal with Istanbul, and then and there was a the thing with the Istanbul deal and and the that sort of transition period was actually linked to a change in my, um, the sound that I was trying to make and where my head was um, it, with playing and who I was playing with and things that were influencing me. And I was starting to move away from this dry uh, sound. I was uh, kind of getting into a bit more of a, a sort of smoky, woody warmer slightly washier sound and there was there was one symbol that i had in my collection at the time that i was using with this ride um and it was a zildjian uh k dark custom dark crash 17 that i bought second hand off errol roberts actually hilariously um it was a symbol that he he used to own and he'd uh, moved it on to me and I was using it on gigs. I I always had the thing of I had two crashes and a ride. That was my thing. And 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 going back a bit further than that, so talking about my early setup, when I got my DW kit in nineteen ninety one, and I got this ride symbol, 
I then started buying some other symbols, and I was basically into the splash thing. You know, I had, um, I had, I think at one time, um, when I first got the Istanbul uh, deal, and I was buying those symbols, I had a load of other symbols. I had about twelve splashes. Uh, still got one now. Actually, it's a, a Sabian six inch that I bought in Sweden. And I uh, lived over there, and uh, in this weird little music shop, he had he had loads of splashes. Bizarrely, he had no other drums or anything, but and there's this gorgeous little six inch, and I've still got it now. And a friend of mine, Lee Mullen, recently gave me a seven inch Istanbul splash. It says it's a six inch, but it's actually seven. Um, and I've still got a few. I've got I've got an Alchemy ten. I've got a traditional ten. Um, and I've got that old Sabian, that six tiny little thing, uh, and this this one that Lee's given me. But I used to have tons of these things, and I, I slowly sold them all. I I, I kind of got rid of them because I stopped using them. But I was very into that sound, you know, that kind of Manu Cache with Peter Gabriel sound and that that Vinny sort of splashy fusiony thing, you know. Um, and I had this DW kit with pinstripe heads. You know, it was all very, um, it was all very that thing, and uh, had a rack. You know, <laughs> had a rack with several cymbal arms, so you could have the ride, two splashes, and a number of auxiliary splashes. But yeah, my, my so my common setup though, the one that I really sort of settled on and, and used for a long time, up until this period was a crash in, uh, two crashes, sorry, and a ride, or a ride and two crashes. And hi-hats, obviously. I didn't use anything more than that. I would just uh, just have the one ride. And then this crash symbol, this 17, the thing I noticed about it, I started using it as a ride. And the thing that I, I woke up one day, um, not literally, I mean, I, I was just on a gig and I just suddenly re had this realisation that I actually preferred riding it than I did this ride um the one i've got in front of me now something had moved on in my kind of sound you know and so i end up buying this k um it was a k um what was it called now it was just like a k ride or dark ride that i had for quite a while a few years and i, I used that symbol quite a lot and now I think about that symbol now, and I don't really don't really like it really. Uh, think, thinking about what it sounded like now, but at the time, it was closer to what I was trying to, you know, get into. And then I kind of got introduced to um, to the Istanbul distributor, and I went up to meet him, and I went up with a friend who was uh, working in a music shop, and uh, was going up for sort of supplies for the shop. And I ended up, you know, I sort of had this um, had this meeting and made this kind of had this kind of agreement with them, and I then bought a load of symbols, you know, and uh, the first ride that I bought is off from the distributor this, of the Agop range was the Sultan, and um, a great drummer who. Um, 
who used to teach at college, uh, who's now playing, I think he lives down in London now, I'm not sure where he is actually, called Sam Gardner. He's a really great, check him out if you ever find him, really, really great player. Sam bought that ride off me. It was one of those symbols that I used to have when I was teaching. I used to take it in uh, with me when I was teaching. Um, and several students were like, if you ever want to sell this symbol, I want to buy it. And I'd be like, okay. Well, it got really kind of, got a bit awkward at one point. But Sam was always the person, that, the first person that had ever put his, you know, his name down for it, so to speak. And uh, when, I, when I came to get rid of that symbol, I, he had it. And I think he still uses it now. I'm pretty sure he's still got it. Some of the last videos I saw him playing, I'm pretty sure he had that symbol. Um, I found it a little bit too light for me. Um it was just slightly too light as a main ride. Um, and Sam plays lovely, he's got his lovely touch and it sort of just seems to work for him with his dynamic, the way in which he plays and the kind of style of music that he plays. And I, I just like, sort of, I just need to dig in a little bit more. Um, but it was one of those, it was a really nice ride. And I started using it on the left because then I bought another ride. I bought, I bought several in the early days of the Istanbul thing. I went through quite a number of rides. Um, I had one of these 06 collectors, you know, 22, which I barely used. And I, and I eventually sold that on. It was, it was a, it was a, I got offered one. I played, I think he had 23 of them in it uh, when they first came out. They're, they're not a symbol that a lot of people, I've not seen a lot of, people with them and i think maybe this this bunch that he had with us was the only bunch that ever came to the uk um i went through that whole rack of them and i found one that i liked you know i didn't like any of the other ones and i bought it and it it was too big i don't like 22s really they're slightly too big for me i play a 21 now uh, and i'll get to that in a minute but uh the 22 is always slightly too big um and it became it became like a collect a collector's symbol for me it was like you know i kept it because i was collecting it and it was the, the collector's 06 edition and i don't believe in that stuff i think you buy instruments to play you know they're not made to be collected and left to you know gather dust and it's uh, i feel the same way about cars and all that kind of stuff you know this stuff is was made by people who wanted stuff to be used you know so i sold that on somebody made me offer on that um I sort of forgot about that symbol. Yeah, it's not a symbol that I miss. Uh, there's a few that I do miss, but that's not one that I do miss. But then I eventually found, after a number of ride symbols, I ended up with the one that I use now all the time, which is this Jazz Special Edition 21. And they came out with this great range, Istanbul A got. They came out with this the Jazz Special Edition range. And when I first bought my first AGOP um, symbols, I bought the Sultan ride. I bought some traditional crashes, uh, 17 and 16, just traditional thin. And I bought some jazz special edition, 14 inch hi-hats, which I don't own anymore. Um, I did sell them on. I went through a few different pairs of hi-hats. Um, a couple of pairs I regret selling. Um, one of them aren't Istanbul's actually. There was uh, some Zildjian A vintage um, which were pretty new symbols, but I sold them and, and they're, I wish I still owned them. They'd have been useful for recording and uh, they're not, they're, I wouldn't have used them when, if, when I had my relationship with Istanbul, um, but I, I would have kept them um, 
and yeah, they were beautiful symbols. I sold them because I really needed to pay for, you know, needed to bankroll the new, the new obsession with the Istanbul stuff. So all the Zildjian stuff and Sabian stuff that I had all got sold, uh, just very slowly. I had some Constantinopoles and some of the different bits and bobs, um, and it all got sold on to pay for the Istanbul, pay for the habit, so to speak. Um, but what I, yeah, eventually settled on this 21 ride. Um, and absolutely, it's an absolutely beautiful thing. Uh, and I use it, I was using it last night. I use it all the time. I use it for all sorts of different gigs. It seems to be people really like that symbol, you know, people that I play with as well. And I, and I love playing it. And it gets kind of gets me into this sort of thing about talking a little bit about, about technique or about, how things change on a gig in the hand. Um, and I, this symbol really brings this out for me because if I'm not playing great or something's not quite happening, it doesn't, it sounds okay. This symbol, it doesn't sound amazing, it just sounds okay, you know. But when I get warmed up and I really get like get my hand gets warm and I start to play. Well, start to hold the stick in the right way because I've got this thing about sort of cymbal tone and, and pinch, fulcrum pinch. I do believe that there's something in this. Um, it's like the Steve Gadd or the Bill Stewart thing, which is a different thing, but uh, just as, not as an aside, but like Steve Gadd talks about this thing of, of leaving the stick on the cymbal just slightly longer than you need to dampen the cymbal to make it a shorter sound, you know. And Bill, Bill Stewart, it sounds to me like something like that's happening with him, you know. Uh, I know he uses quite specific cymbals as well, and he's obviously Zildjian have developed a cymbal, I think, with him or for him or whatever. Well, I can't remember what it's called. It's uh, It's got a very specific sound. But again, you know, I think that sound comes from his uh, his kind of um, concept of sound than them making a, a symbol for him that creates his concept. You know what I mean? It's that way around. And uh, I've heard Workshop with John Riley talking about Bill Stewart and having a very specific thing about his symbol sound, about this thing of connecting with the symbol with a stick in a certain way. And that's really interesting. My thing is more about just the the like the pinch so the full so you know we have um a fulcrum uh, some people do play off the middle finger they play that gruber thing um and i think that that has less impact on cymbal sound personally i think it, it uh you get uh, you get or you get more of, of a, a sort of um one kind of cymbal sound from that technique i, I certainly do it definitely um it I don't. I can't get the other sounds that I need by changing anything with that with that way of playing. And I do play like that sometimes, um, but I definitely get change in my cymbal sound when I'm gripping the stick with the fulcrum, either lighter or um, or more aggressively or more with a pinch. So if you sort of because the stick obviously rings, and if you. Those two sounds there, one of them is done with with basically 
the um, big overtone going on there. Wow, it's this symbol when you dampen it, you get you, you grab hold of it to to stop the overtones, and it's still ringing because it's so it's so thick. You know, you have to kind of go right into the symbol because it's got its own little sound areas. It you know you're holding the outside of the symbol, and it's still ringing near the bell. You know, or or that sort of you know the inner part of the main part of the symbol. <laughs> it's very interesting. But yeah, it, anyway, with, with what I was doing then is one. Is one is I'm, I'm gripping the stick, the, the fulcrum harder. I'm, I'm pinching the stick harder. You know, so it definitely has an impact on on the cymbal sound. It has less of an impact on this cymbal than it does on my other the, on the jazz special edition because the jazz special edition of twenty one really got to this sound world that I was after. I wanted something that had this woody, smoky, very sticky sound like this one has but has a warmer, more transparent sort of back note to everything, like um, like an underlying wash, which was um, not in the way, but kind of supporting the sound and part of the overall sound of the instrument. It's like a kind of natural reverb in a way. And... Yeah, trying to find a symbol that did that thing took a while, and and this this one I've got, um, it really is as close as I'll ever get to to the to a sound that I'm trying to find, because um, this symbol, this one here, was the Gijinette sound at that time, and I, and so I, it, a lot of these a lot of drummers I know are searching for the like the Tony Williams symbol. They talk about the '60s, the Nefertiti symbol or whatever you know that period. And uh, I, I've never been interested in that uh, sound. It's, it's an amazing sound, but it's not its not something I've chased. But I know I could tell you three or four drummers right off the top of my head who are still searching for that sound, you know. Um, and there's probably, you know, dozens and dozens of other people who are also searching for that sound. But when I got this this, this 1991 special edition uh, Mehmet Agop, Istanbul symbol, the one I've got here in front of me, I'd found the sound that I was after. It was exactly the sound. And so I just spent years playing this symbol and developing my vibe with this symbol. You know, it was great. And then my vibe started to change, so the symbol became not the vibe, you know. And it took me a while, and then I found this special edition jazz ride 21, which um, I still use, and that is the sound now for me. But the thing that changed in all the setup was that I went from having two crashes and a ride to having two rides and a crash. And the thing that's happened now recently um, is that I now use three rides most of the time. So if I'm doing like a like a groove gig or um, like a singer-songwriter thing or something that's not jazzy, I would go back to two crashes. And so recently I've kind of added these, uh, I've been finding all these Istanbul alchemy um, range. They're, they're, they're an interesting aside to Istanbul because they're part of the Istanbul Agot family, but they were made in a different factory and they're discontinued now. I think Exist have taken, or Zist, whatever you call them, they've kind of taken over that uh, line but the the alchemy thing was interesting. They had too many ranges, really, um, and they were deemed as being maybe not professional or semi-professional or maybe kind of cheaper symbols. And they did make ranges that were that were like they made these packs, you know, that were 
kind of um, affordable starter packs. And uh, the stuff I bought was called the professional range. You know, this is the stuff I was buying at the time when I was when I had my Istanbul, my, my thing with Istanbul. And I, I bought a lot of symbols. I had the ride, these beautiful 13-inch hi-hats, which I sold. And I should never have sold those hi-hats. But, you know, again, I was... I bought some OM Hyatts after that, which, again, I should never have sold. And the story goes on. Uh, anyway, I've got 30th anniversary 15s and two pairs of full-team traditionals. I think I've talked about them previously. But anyway, the alchemy thing, I've been recently buying second-hand alchemies up. I've been looking just for the sweets, you know. Uh, and I've built, like, quite a nice collection of them now. I've got a lot of crashes. And I use, I'll use the big crashes with the ride, if I'm doing any of those kind of gigs, I've got 19, couple of 18s, couple of 17s, uh, and 16, two 16s, and a 15, I think. And and uh, yeah, what I would like to find is a professional ride like the one I sold. I sold one to a student at college uh, years and years and years ago. I, do, I was never using that symbol really, and it was a nice symbol. Um, uh, but it's one of those ones that somebody really, really liked it, and they. I, I was getting them at a decent price and I was basically, I was selling them on second hand for very, very similar money because the price I was getting them new was, was almost a second hand price, you know, not quite, but um, just the, the arrangement I had at the time. So I was able to kind of move things on to uh, students and stuff at a really, you know, decent rate because they were almost brand new symbols and, and there was stuff that I was kind of trying and I was moving on to something else. And it was just basically, if I could move something on, for roughly what I'd paid for it. It's just a way in it to buy, just to replace it with the next thing, you know, because uh, none of us are making any money out of this thing, are we? You know, we're all just, we're all looking for the next way to spend, you know, that um, when we, we sell a symbol, we've got something else normally on our mind, you know, uh, if, or if not at the time, we know there's going to be something coming around the corner in six months, for sure. So... Um, yeah, so anyway, so I ended up in this thing where the evolution of it was going from the classic ride and two crashes or three crashes or whatever. Uh, and sometimes I use three crashes. I do a disco show occasionally and I use three crashes for that. Um, a lot of that's just about, because it's a reading gig, it's just about having stuff around you that's easy to find and easy to hit, you know. Um but most of the time, my setup involves a ride with either two more rides. So at the moment, I'm using the 21, and I'm using a 20 Mel Lewis that I've just bought off somebody. Um, I was, I, I've got this uh, 25th anniversary, so it's a 2005 25th anniversary Istanbul Agop thing. Very, very light, under 1,900 grams. Um, and it's one with the bag and the original certificate. I think it's number 234 or something. I can't remember what the number is, 254 or something. But it's um, that symbol I use a lot as a left-hand ride and as a crash. It's a very, very fast symbol. You know, you hit it and it's extremely fast. It, it's in and out instantly. And it's great for symbol rolls as well. Um, but I've just bought a 20... Mel Lewis, and then a, the week after, I found a 19, which I just mentioned earlier on, which I bought. And, and then, I, but I did drill that. It's a little bit bright, that symbol. Um, but I've drilled it and put two rivets in it. And it's definitely better for that. It definitely sounds better for that. Um, 
But that's yeah, and that's the journey so far, you know. And it's it, it's the the symbol thing for me is driven by it's just a desire to find a certain kind of sound within the kit, you know. It's uh, and people, I think people are driven in different ways with symbols, but but people really tend to have this kind of attachment to certain brands or certain types of symbols. I know people are just, you know, they'll just play paste, just play pasty paste, you know, they'll just, that's their, that's everything they play is that. The I know people that are just Zildjian people, you know, um, and uh, they're very kind of loyal to that brand. And, um, and so that kind of gets, you know, gets me to the sort of this discussion or the thought about, about this thing of buying off the peg, you know, and the difference between what I'd say is a handmade symbol and a machine-made symbol. And the thing I always notice with Zildjians and a lot of Sabians as well is that you could pretty much buy one blind. You could just go on any symbol website and just or eBay or whatever and just buy that particular symbol and you'd get it and it would basically sound pretty much like what it's supposed to sound like, you know. And the consistency particularly with the Zildjians is, and with that, with the, with the sort of A and the K and the K custom stuff, the consistency is, it's pretty remarkable really, if you think about it. You know, it's a, it's a piece of metal that's machined and it's been hammered in a certain way and it's laved and it's this, that and the other happens and they end up with this kind of consistency. Yeah, they're not all the same, but they're pretty close to each other. And then you get into this kind of hand-hammered world, you know, and there's like Bosphorus and obviously Istanbul and there's some of, some of the other, the more kind of, you know, the Karope or Karopia, whatever you pronounce it, or, you know, the Constantinopoles or the... I'm not sure what the... Um, I mean, the, the Zildjian... The, sorry, the Sabian HH range used to be you know, hand-hammered. Um, they never... I never thought they were... They, they sounded close to any of those other brands I've discussed, but, you know... Um, I mean, I don't think the Constantinopoles personally sound that close to the hand-hammered that these Corot ones do, you know. Um, I think they, um, they've they got uh, a bit of character about them. Uh, played some really nice ones of them. Um, I think that there's, the Constantinople, there's, a, there's one called a Renaissance, which is out now. Uh, I don't know. I don't pay much attention, to be honest with you, because I, you know, I don't have any interest because I, I have the symbols that I like the sound of, so I don't tend to be really up to date with any of these things. I just feel like a bit of a fraud, really, when I'm talking about them. But I've, um, I do get, you know, students come through with, with different sorts of symbols, and there was a nice, this guy had a nice Renaissance ride and someone had a bounce ride as well that's quite a nice thing that's kenny washington developed symbol i think um i've got one that i bought very quite cheap around christmas time it was just for sale and uh, and uh, i bought it um to be honest with you to sell on um because i got it very cheap and i've got that for sale at the moment um for hardly anything more than I paid for it, but it's just, um, it was one that I thought I might like, you know, I thought I might like, it. I'll keep it. It might be useful because the, the, you know, the, you know, the marketing blurb is, is it's good. It's a good small band jazz symbol, but you can also use it for big band stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I do do, I do a big band gig 
uh, very occasionally, um, probably like three gigs a year. Um, and sometimes I bring this, I bring the, um, the old 99, the 91 special edition cause it just cuts a bit more. Um, but I thought, I, I thought I'd buy this Constantinople bounce because it might be one I could use for that gig, you know, but I bought it and, it, and it's a really nice symbol actually, but it's just not quite got the right ping. The crash is nice. The ping's not that, you know, it's not quite right for me. I used it on a couple of gigs just to try it out. Um, cause I'll always do that. I'll buy the symbol and then, I mean, that one was bought blind. So it was bought off a, an eBayer that had no feedback, no communication at all. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of sent a message before and then it was just, it had one bid on it over Christmas, no feedback. And, uh, I came back from holiday after Christmas and it was, it was on its last day for sale. And I just chucked a punt in, you know, with a, with a cheap, small, low bid and, uh, won this thing. I've had no communication with the seller since hasn't, you know, they haven't left me any feedback. It's one of those, you know, could have been, it could have been all kinds of fake nonsense, you know, but it turned out to be a real thing. Um, and so I got it and I, when I got it home and I played, you know, it arrived here and I played it a bit. I thought it sounds all right, but then I took it and did a couple of gigs, um, with it. One was with a vocalist and the other one was just, a, you know, just a gig of the quartet and it just wasn't quite the right sound with the, with the actual ride sound. Um, the crash is nice though, uh, and and I think it would actually suit a big band situation a bit more. So it's one of those things where it's for sale for you know it's worth it's got a certain value. I've seen others for sale for very very similar about. I, I'm 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 pricing it slightly under, but um, but I'll just keep it and it'll I might use it. You know it's one of those things where it'll just sit around. Um. But yeah, there's that sort of thing of, of but it, it, but it doesn't feel like a particularly hand hammered symbol to me. It it sounds, you know, like it's machined hammered. It's it's been hammered using a. It might be somebody doing it with their hand, but it doesn't feel like it's been worked literally with a hammer with somebody. You know, in in sitting on the floor with a you know with this piece of metal that's. Well, I don't know how they do it. I don't know. What, I know anything about it really, but I imagine. Uh, I know that you know the guys at the Istanbul Agop factory, you know, in Turkey, you know, in Istanbul. I know they are they're hand hammering these symbols with hammers. You know, that's that's how they make them. You know, so um, yeah. And then the Bosphorus thing, I think, very similar processes. You know, so uh, and these, I believe, there's quite a lot of uh, companies actually in 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 Istanbul in Turkey, actually, different factories that are making symbols in a very, very similar way, as you know. Um, there's one called Master Sounds or something. Um, they're nice symbols. If you ever got the name right, I think they're called Master Sounds. I know it's the name of a band as well. Um, but, yeah, Master Sound. Errol, Errol Roberts has got a couple of those symbols. They're nice. The hi-hats are nice. Um, I've seen a, see a few things around you know, on, on eBay and stuff, but, but it's that thing of like the, the, the thing that's more risky with those kind of symbols is, you know, when you buy them, 
you really don't know what you're getting. So one like one range that Istanbul do is called the the Agop signature range. You know, it's got the green writing and they're beautiful symbols. But when I when I used to go and uh, try symbols out, I used to go and have the you know I used to have like the kind of cream of the crop really. The the They'd send a load of stuff over from uh, from Turkey and, and the consignment, and I'd get a phone call and do you want to come up and we've got a load of stuff in. And I, if I had the time, I'd go up there. It was, you know, it's quite a long drive. It was a day. Go and have a day and have lunch and things. And and you spend, you know, the morning going through the things that you want to buy, and then you spend the afternoon trying out a load of other stuff, hoping you don't find anything else you're going to end up buying. Which was always the case, really. But uh, I the, the one range that I found the most inconsistent and almost kind of controversial, really, in a way, was the Agop signatures. Uh, and it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Because that's, you know, Agop's signature range was the one that I, I personally found the most varied. And some of the, like, there used to be a lot of 22 rides. And I used to play them, and they were so thin and strange uh, sounding, you know. And and I had a 20. Uh, it was a lovely symbol, and I sold it to uh, a young guy. Well, he's not a young guy now, but he was at the time, who went off to music college. And he was a good drummer, and he's a very, very good drummer now. Uh, he, But he, he sort of, he'd heard me play this symbol, and he sort of asked me about it. He came round, and I ended up selling it to him i think he's still got it actually um really really nice drummer um, but it's a beautiful symbol and it had a, like it was like a lovely ride but it was one of the ones that was in my journey to the 20 you know the 20 uh, 21 the, the jazz special edition you know it was in that journey because i had like the 30th anniversary as well i had a very very nice one of them it was the second it was the one that the first one that came in the uk or the one that was reviewed by all the drum magazines and when it came back to the distributor i was given first refusal and i bought that symbol it was 20 and it was a beautiful symbol but when i gigged with it and i played it in i just there was something about it that i just couldn't get on with there was something about the overtones or the undertones the the resonance of the symbol the fundamental resonance once you were getting into playing the symbol which didn't sit well with the sound my the sound i was after for me there was something about it and uh, but it was a phenomenal uh, symbol for playing symbol roles. Um, I remember taking it to a studio when I was recording with uh, Tom McRae and we made his album. Uh, the album came out in 2015, but we recorded it in 2012. And we went to this studio down in Wales, which is no longer there, sadly. But um, uh, I took a load of symbols with me because it's just good to have, you know, big kind of collection of stuff. And um, we did a lot of overdubbing of cymbal rolls um, on on lots of different tracks. We tracked quite a lot of stuff in that, in that time we were there. We were there. I was thinking I was there about 12 days or something, but we tracked a lot of tunes that ended up on a couple of different records. And... Um, the thing that that symbol really shined within the studio was the was with um, a medium chalkling mallet roll rolls. They it just sounded incredible, you know. And 
it was one of those symbols where somebody uh, who sort of knew me, um, I wasn't living in Manchester at the time. He was a drummer who was living in Manchester, and he kind of, I don't know, I don't know what the story was really, but he'd found out I was selling in this other symbol, and then there was that symbol was possibly for sale as well, and he came around to try the other symbol, and then he ended up buying both, and it was one of those ones where, it's like, should I have kept that just for the roles, you know? But I think in the in the end it was the right decision to get rid of it because I've got a few other symbols now that are, are amazing for symbol roles, you know, that, that are great for that kind of thing. Um, that do, you know, not quite as good a job, but really just, just as good a job, you know. So, yeah, so that's kind of like the, you know, the thing of, of when you're trying to buy off the peg or, you, or you're sort of buying things that are hand hammered and uh, you're buying them kind of online and you're not under you're never 100 percent sure about what you're going to get you know but um but the thing that i always notice as i get into playing as i get warmed up is that my sound improves on this on this this 20s this jazz special edition 21 there's something about the way in which once i've kind of my hands are warmed up and everything's kind of right there's i can get into a, a a sound with it which i have to find that sound and that's what i think is kind of different between these types of symbols i think that certain symbols you hit them and they have a sound and uh, other symbols when you uh, are playing in a different headspace or something you know you're sort of in a in a better groove in the hand or you know i don't even know how to put it into words or it's one of those things where it's hard to put these things into words and we don't really want to put them into words sometimes really that you know there's just part of the sort of magic of of connecting with the instrument but that this symbol and certain symbols like this you get into a real sweet spot with them because they are complex instruments you know they they're not they're not one or two, even two-dimensional. They're three-dimensional instruments. You know, they have, they have, um, they reveal themselves in interesting ways. You know, and that's sort of the difference between when you're looking at budget symbols, and then there's like these symbols which people always talk to me about, like the dream symbols. I think are they made in Canada? I'm not sure. Um, I don't really know a lot about them, but a lot of students have them, and I have to say. I always, they're always quite impressive, you know, um, particularly like the uh, the crashes and the hi-hats. The rides are okay. I find them a little bit, personally, I find them a little bit thin. I don't find they have um, the full kind of colour spectrum. There's something about them that's slightly... It's slightly, slightly missing. Um, apart from there's a, there's a, there's a. I was playing one last week or the week before. Someone had one at at, um, at college, and it, it was like, it, yeah, it was like a a special range or something. It had like a, you know, I think it was a bit more expensive. And again, I was playing it, and you could tell it's this. This is yeah. This has been made better, you know. But the thing I've noticed about all those types of symbols, uh, a lot of the dreams is that they fade 
a lot with the sound over time. Um, and I've had the same thing with Istanbul's, to be honest with you, with the crashes. I don't, I don't find it with the rides at all or the hi-hats. They never change. But I've had a lot of crashes and the traditional thins. So at the moment, I've got, I've got a few traditional crashes, but I've got rid of a lot of them. Um, and I've got this one called a paper thin at the moment, which is a lovely symbol. Um, and I've got a thin medium no sorry just a thin 17 that's changed a lot since i bought it and it's gone duller you know um and then i've got these two smaller ones i've got a thin sorry paper thin 14 which i just used for recording i think i've mentioned this before um and a 15 which is like a dark thin crash or something it's called uh both I think that symbol's set up on my Yamaha at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But um, I generally don't use them very much. I don't use them for gigging because they change, you know. And it, and I think it's the same with these these dream symbols. A lot of them do. They seem to sort of fade away a bit with the crash. They sort of lose. They lose their kind of projection, you know, uh, over time. Now, I've no idea how they're being played, by the way. They might be being played the hell out of, you know. You never know. And, and obviously, as you hit a symbol... Even with a stick, you are hammering it in some way, you know, with rides with the tip of your stick, obviously. I've se I have used to see this this uh, guy I used to see years and years and years ago who was a, an old bebop drummer, British bebop drummer, and he had this ride symbol and it had a worn, little worn kind of area the size of 50 pence piece on it, you know, where it had been played for 40 years, you know. And so he obviously hung in the same place on the cymbal stand because of the way it was hammered. And then he'd played it in this one spot. And over these years, it had worn away, you know, over, and it still sounded amazing. But it, it obviously, that thing of it's been hammered, hasn't it? You know, even, with, even though it's with a piece of wood, you're still hammering it. So, um, so yeah, I have no idea how it's whether or not the, these dream symbols can stand up to, you know, the heavier playing, you know, whether they, they don't have the same lifespan. I'm not sure. But, uh, but there are some budget symbols that I really rate. Like, I, I think genuinely, and, and like these CX400 Pearl Hi-Hats that I had, I think the ZBT14 ZBT Hi-Hats, if you're looking to buy a pair of Hi-Hats on a budget... I don't think they can be beaten. I, I think they're nice for any situation. You know, if I if I turned up on a gig and I forgot my symbols and um and they had a you know a collection of different symbols and the high outs were like 14 inch ZBT, I'd be perfectly happy on any gig to use those high outs. I mean they're not they're not a high out of choice. I'm not saying, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, these are the high outs that I definitely, you know. These are the, these are my first choice hi hats, but as for a budget symbol, they're um, you know they're they're great. So um, and you can find little little gems like that, you know. I think if you're looking for budget rides, I personally would recommend um, like the Istanbul traditional range. So you're you're going to be paying slightly more than what you maybe consider as a budget um, 
sound. But if you if you're going for a rock thing, you're going for something that, that that's that you're using the ride just for for you know for playing choruses essentially or whatever. And you you don't want something that you're going to wash out on and use to crash. There's there's lots of options, you know, um, on a budget. There's there's all sorts of different symbols that sound that sound great, you know, uh, for that kind of thing. It's when you're playing music where you want to be crashing the ride, and then you want to be getting straight back into riding it again. You know, you, I mean, for me, it's got to not hang around a long time, and and so if you get the right kind of symbol in that way you know, with the crash, like it, it, you're crashing the ride and it's gone. Then when you're playing it, when you're not crashing it, just playing it as a ride, you, I always find you get the right kind of overtones, you know. They're, they're the, sa the same thing is that the overtones are, are getting out of the way or they're not in the way. And so one of the, one of the things why I ended up with this, this using this 25th anniversary and my 21 Jazz Special Edition is you crash both those rides and they crash... The crash is less than a second long, you know, and the the kind of amplitude, the curb of amplitude of, of the way that the decrease from the crash is very very quick. So you know, it's kind of like that's my ideal thing, really. Um, the twenty fifth is a little bit too thin to use as a main ride. It's it's you know it's it's under nineteen hundred, it's eighteen twenty five grams or something, you know, it's. It's a thin, you can bend it almost back on itself. It's slightly too thin as a main ride, uh, but it's a very short crash. So, you know. Um, whereas the the Jazz Special Edition is 1900 and summer, you know, it's uh, the other side of 1900, but it's below 2000 grams, you know. So, yeah, so it's kind of got, you know, still got the right characteristics, but it's got a little bit more weight, so you can be a little bit more sticky with it, get a little bit more stuck in, you know. Um, I think sometimes it struggles a little bit with big band stuff, you know, a little bit with the big band thing. Um, but most of the time it's all right, you know. But, uh, but yeah, so that's the, that's the sort of difference for me. If you're trying to buy a, a ride symbol, that's um that needs to do that kind of multi multitasking thing then that's when i think you know the cheaper end of those symbols are the kind of basic ranges of your pro stuff you know um but i, I just find like the zildjian stuff the you know the like the you know an a ride or a k dark ride or something like a generic e kind of symbol on that side of things I just don't find they're very nice to crash. They, they, they've, you get a lot of overtones, you get a, and they hang around a lot. You know, there's a lot of wash. Um, whereas, if I was going to, you know, buy like a a symbol that was for sort of jazz, and I was on a budget, um, I'd just I'd look at those kind of um, <clears throat> the sort of twenty inch, you know, Bosphorus or Istanbul or something like that. Or maybe one of the dream ones. Like I say, I played this symbol last week, and it was a dream. I can't remember what it was called, but it was a. It was like had a little bit of a special name on it, um, as a, like a nostalgia or something. It wasn't that, but it's that kind of vibe, you know. And <clears throat> that definitely, yeah, that had those characteristics. You know, it was a short crash. It was a sweet 
nice sweet riding kind of sound pingy bit woody you know bit smoky all the things we're looking for um yeah yeah so that's kind of and then you know the, then there's the whole discussion about hi-hats really if you don't i don't want to get too into because again that's like a massive long thing but you know i i sort of tend to use two sounds with hi-hats i i, I like a medium hi-hat for playing you know groove based music um something that's got a bit of cut so i've got two different pairs of traditional medium istanbuls one with a flat bottom like so i've basically got a pair of quick beats and a pair of new beats and they they sound like they're from the 70s both of them you know that's the sound really and uh I, like i said i'd have been just as happy to to have lived for that kind of sound with these with the with the vintage uh, a zildjian's that i had in sort of the early noughties uh they were beautiful hi-hats 14 vintage a um yeah they were they were kind of yeah brand new when i bought them i think 2002 or something like that all 70s a's all 70s quick beats 70s a new beats or quick beats they're all great for that kind of stuff you know zbt great for that kind of stuff in my opinion not as sweet not as sweet and not as pro sounding but they're still good symbols but then there's the hi-hats that i use for all my other sort of gigs and all my jazz gigs and singer songwriter kind of gigs and gigs that are where it's uh, I want a little bit more of a sort of bespoke kind of sound a little bit more character I just use these Istanbul 30th anniversary 15s you know that that's what I have I've ended up with with those hi-hats uh, that do all that a very buttery soft smoky sticky kind of you know, they're quite gentle. Um, they've got a lot of body because they're 15, so they're not quite as fast. I'm not so bothered about that. Um, you know, if you really get stuck in with them, you can really articulate well, and that, that has to come from me. You know, it's not coming from the symbol, which which is good because it means that I'm, you know, if I'm having to kind of play in that way, it means that I'm kind of emotionally connecting with the music in that way, and I, and I should be, you know. Um the other hi hats I've got are certainly easier to play. You know the um, the the fourteens. They're a bit quicker, you know, um, but they don't have the body and they don't have the smoky sound. You know, so um, I tend to be a little bit more yeah simple with the hi hat thing. But I did have some fifteen oms that I really liked, and I sold somebody and I was trying to buy them back recently, but he sold them. They've gone. Um, they were very nice. They were first generation oms. They were, they were the second generation. I think they're up to third generation now. But the first generation ones, they were they were interesting symbols. They were nice, um, and uh, yeah, and the jazz special edition ones, the fourteens. I had some fifteens of them as well, and I also had some fifteen light traditionals. I've had all sorts of different things, but I kind of settled on, you know, the um, the twenty fifth, um, sorry, thirtieth anniversary. 15s and uh, the tra and these traditionals so yeah yeah but uh, it tends to be more like the crashes crashes and rides really you know is what really always really interests me and it's more and more rides it's just you know can i find a symbol that is something that i can ride on and it's all because ironically because of this zildjian 
uh, K Custom Dark Crash 17 that I had. That was the symbol that was the that was the pivot point where my sound changed and I wanted to get into playing more on the ride, even with groove music. Because um, some of the people I was playing with at the time, they were not that into hi-hats, you know. They were more into the ride. And my rides, you know, this one I've got here, the um, the thick one, the special edition, uh, this uh, 91, um, the very pingy one. Uh, and there it is again. You know, that was not that sound. Um, and then the K, I had this K, yeah, Dark Ride, whatever it was called. I think it was called Dark Ride. That wasn't the sound either. It was a nice symbol, actually, but it just, just wasn't quite, just didn't have that characteristic about it, you know. So, and that, that crash did. So I've ended up, like, um, really moving towards... Um, bigger, bigger symbols. So, like now, I use a twenty-one, a twenty, and a nineteen. Um, and if I if I don't use the nineteen, I'll use the twenty on the right, and I have the twenty and a half, twenty-fifth anniversary on the left, and the main ride in the middle, the twenty-one. So it's twenty-one, twenty and a half, and twenty. So it's just all big symbols, you know. And that's my generically my preferred choice, you know. So. Uh, so that's about it, really. Um, lots of other things to talk about in relation to symbols, but um, yeah, like I don't, I don't have felts on the top. I take the felts off, so I never have a felt on the, um, on you know, on the symbol stand. I felt underneath, but I don't have a felt on top. So I like the symbol to just to be able to like swing about, do its thing, and ring as much as it can, really. Um, sometimes when if I'm recording and uh, talk to people about this sometimes it is good to have the top felt on and tighten the symbol up a bit just to dampen it a little bit um, but I tend to think you I, I I always think I'm using the wrong symbol if I'm doing that you know um, not always but generally I think now nah, I should be using something that's a little bit drier you know so I'll use something that's a bit drier and not have the felt on so um yeah, so that's about it, really. Um, I think I've gone on a bit long, quite a long time. Well, crikey, it's quite a long, I think it's quite a long on this. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that's been interesting. And, um, yeah, I'll be uh, back next week, hopefully. And um not sure exactly what's on the agenda for next week been because um, i was kind of asked about doing something about symbols and, and a couple of people asked about like gear and drumsticks and things you know um and i'm not massively like into gear really not really know a lot about it you know and the drumstick things like a joke because i've used the same drumstick since 1988 or something i don't know whenever these peter erskine the pe ones or whatever the spe's or whatever they're called i don't even know what they're called the original peter erskine stick with the small tip i've used these sticks since they came out and i've never used 
um, another stick, which I, I know I've mentioned before. But it's, so it's just like I don't really have a view on uh, on sticks. And then I just think you talk about gear and it's such a vast thing. I mean, even the symbol thing, as I'm talking about this now, I'm just thinking about all the people who probably aren't listening to this anyway, but maybe might be or might do in the future that I'm just completely alienating by, you know, I'm not talking about the Earth ride or, you know, a Z ride or those heavier symbols are all great, but they're just not part of a world that I live in, you know. So I, I just don't really have any opinions on them other than you know you find the right the right symbol or the right thing for the music that you're playing don't you it's pretty obvious you know if you can afford to because that's part of it you know there's a lot of people out there that are um you know they don't have the money to to buy the perfect thing so you know some of this information might be useful to you because it means you can you know you can consider things like zbt hi-hats you know if we're going to be a snob about stuff and we don't touch them but i tend to just play something if it's got if it's got an interesting sound about it it's got an interesting sound about it you know it's that it's kind of that thing what i choose you know for my own sound and what i'm trying to find for myself is a different thing you know but um i went to spain years and years ago and i i didn't want to travel with symbols you know and uh there's a guy over there i met he was a he was an engineer and he had he was you know he was a bit of a hobbyist drummer he had you know loads of money and expendable disposable income that's the word isn't it disposable income and he had he had these Yamaha Oak custom he had every single size eight eight ten twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen eighteen toms he had three bass drums he had two three snare drums. He had loads of hardware and he had loads of symbols. And I didn't really check out. I just remember going in his garage and he had all his gear. And the next time I went to I went back to Spain, um, we made this kind of arrangement with this with the, the sort of go-between, you know. This guy said I could borrow his stuff, you know. So that was brilliant. So I just said, Oh yeah, and I'll just use his symbols. I kind of assumed that he'd have an, an eclectic range of symbols and I could go and try and you know, whatever. When I got there, they're all Sabian AA studio range, you know. He'd just gone out and bought what he considered was like the best generic symbols that he could buy from a music shop. You know, he bought the whole, he had the hi-hats, he had loads of crashes, ride, he had the china and everything. And I had to do all these jazz gigs with those symbols. Now, a lot of people will be like, oh my God, that's like a, you know, a nightmare. Now, the way I look at it is, yeah, it's not ideal, but... It was fine because I actually think you can find a sound on anything, really. You know, uh, unless it's some horrific kind of bin lid thing, which just is doesn't actually have a sound, and that's obviously you know got no sound. But I think generally you can find a way to make something sound all right. And I did all these. They were very jazzy gigs. You know, they were with a with a sax player, and it was all kind of very standardy and stuff. And it was fine. You know. It was fine in the end. Not my choice, but it was fine. So, yeah. So I think, the, you know, you don't always have to rule things out because we have these kind of preconceptions about what they might be, especially if you're on a budget. If you're on a budget, you should definitely, like, look around at some of these um, sort of good budget range stuff. Um, 
because you know you can find some nice stuff for not a lot of money. And this, and of course, the second-hand market is amazing at the moment. You know, there's some amazing symbols out there that are that are really, really good quality symbols at not a lot of money. You know, if you know where to look, and some of the older stuff like the Tosco stuff and things, quite a few, quite a bit of that around at the moment. Um, Tosco hi hats, particularly, are really nice, really, really nice Italian-made symbols. You know, I think they're Italian, and the UFIP as well. So yeah, just do do a bit of research. Try and get sound files if you can, you know. Um, but you can buy a decent pair of hi hats for under hundred pounds in the UK, you know, which is probably hundred and thirty, forty dollars at the moment, maybe hundred and thirty dollars. Yeah, hundred and twenty euros or something, you know. Um, second hand, I'm talking about, and that'd be like you know a pair of Tosco or a pair of Istanbul medium traditionals. Pair of Bosphorus. Um, I don't know what the ranges are. I don't know. I know anything about Bosphorus really. Nice symbols though. I've played quite a lot of Bosphorus, but I just don't know what any of this. They've got so many ranges. I get completely bemused by it all. So, um, but yeah. So, um, not sure what I'll be talking about next week. I'm not sure about the gear thing. Um, but yeah. Anyway, I'll. Um, see you again then so yeah anyway thanks for listening and uh, bye for now <laughs>